0: Thank <laughs> you. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Lifestyle with Dr. Movie. I'm Dr. Movie and today we have a great guest all the way from New Jersey. Let's welcome Mr. Richard Kaufman. Hey, Doc. How are you? I'm good, sir. Thank you. Thank you for joining our show. So tell us a little bit about yourself, sir. Uh,
1: well, I'm, I'm a veteran of the United States military. I uh, served for tw- over 23 years. Um, I'm a recovering drug addict. I just celebrated 33 years sober on New Year's Eve, um, recovering alcoholic. I've been homeless, uh, struggled with uh, PTSD Mm -hmm. from a a training accident, Uh, came back from blindness. Um, I was 80% blind last January. Now Mm -hmm. we're finally starting to come back. Uh, Top uh, Number one Amazon selling author, top podcaster, our podcast is in the top 1% in the United States. Uh, coffee company owner. And now I just try to talk to people and let people know that you do not have to be the same person when you go to bed tonight as the same person that woke up that morning. You wow. can always change. And that that's why my campaign is called Today I Decide, which means you don't have to be you can be anything you want to be. All you have to do is make
0: that decision to change. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing. And it's been, you know, pleasure meeting you. Um, you know, a lot of things I think you mentioned, and one by one, first of all, you know, thank you for years of your service. You know, that means a lot. Then the other thing is then you have mentioned like a lot other veterans go through PTSD and um, that is the awareness you know we want to talk about in this session mental health very important and another problem of course is about you know drug addiction which is also very prevalent and then uh, I think one other topic how you came out that is really story by itself and then also your success as a out of being homeless and then now being very successful, not only author, podcaster, but also business venture, which I love, your coffee. <laughs> we'll talk a little bit one by one. So I think uh, let's first uh, start with your you know years in service. So tell me, um, you said um, when you were there, um, did you have the diagnosis of PTSD then or after?
1: Um, it was afterwards. <laughs> Um, I joined in 1986. I stayed in for two and a half years. They threw me out for being a drug addict and alcoholic. Uh-huh. And then a couple years later, I got back in and um, was going to be thrown out for a second time at the end of 2000, uh, uh, September of 2001. Uh-huh. But because of what happened on, on the morning of 9 11, um, it totally changed my whole life and my everything it changed that morning uh wow. and um i got back in the military um became soldier of the year um became an officer non-commissioned officer and then um i got hurt on duty and i lost my vision oh. so you know being in the military if you can't see you can't shoot then they don't need you so they medically discharged me and that's when the, PTSD really, really um, stuck because, you know, once I got once I got back in the military and gave it my all, Mm. you know, I did everything I could to be the ultimate soldier. And then when they told me I was no longer Sergeant Kaufman, um, I didn't know who Richard was. Mm. So I had I was scared and I didn't know I had to, you know, reinvent myself and reimagine myself. And it was really scary not having your vision and then, you know, trying to figure out now, what do I do? I don't have a career anymore. So that's what a lot of it. um, That's where a lot of the PTS came from.
0: Wow. So that was uh, basically from the trauma of losing vision.
1: Yeah. From, you know, and I think, I think it was more mental because, you know um, I think, you know, no matter what profession we have, like if you're a doctor um, you become known as Dr. So-and-so, you know, and what happens if one day you wake up and you're no longer a doctor? Mm-hmm. Who are you? Yeah. You know, and, and then you have to reinvent yourself.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's scary when, you know, reinventing yourself at the age of 40 than at the age of 18 or 20. So it was it was kind of scary to f- try to figure figure out a new way of life. Yeah.
0: And that is true and you know we are seeing I can tell you because uh, I have few of fellow doctors too and also a few other people um, because of uh, let's say for for example nowadays we are seeing a lot more COVID right and so they have to reinvent and relearn things or let's say if somebody all their life they did as a with their right hand and God forbid they have a stroke and then they cannot use their right side and then they just have to relearn everything uh, from the left side and I had another guest actually um, uh, she had to relearn the whole language because she lost the power even to to speak
1: Yeah. And you you kind of have to learn the new normal, you know, it's it's become, you know, it becomes your new normal and, you know, and you have to, eventually you have to learn to accept it. Uh And then, you know, like for me, once I lost my vision, Uh um, my hearing got better. Oh, wow. So, you know, when I started podcasting, it it actually helped me because now when I interview somebody or I'm being interviewed, I can really hone in on what that person's saying, mm-hmm. and listen to the words that they're saying. You know, because there's a difference between hearing and active listening. And I That's think that, that thing that one helped helped me was I actually became a better listener.
0: Wow, wow! It's just you know, always there's something I always learn from my guests. You know, like you said, there's you know, if uh, one was gone then you got better at the other and you not only did you achieve far more you ever thought you would ever do in life, right? Yes. That is fascinating, very fascinating. Also, tell me a little bit about some of the I'm sure you have seen other veterans and so about PTSD because I also worked with the VA as I've worked in the past with VA and with Department of Defense. So a lot of active duty and uh, those. Um, there is still a lot of, about PTSD awareness as well as. Uh, so why is that uh, we are still, you know, still far out from that?
1: Well, I mean, I think things are starting to get better. But, um, you know, PTSD is not a disorder. Uh-huh. It is something that happened to us or something that we have seen because if you're a police officer, if you're a firefighter, if you're a doctor, if you're a nurse, you see things that the average person should never see. And so it's a lot of it comes down to how do we process things. You know, there's like for veterans, a lot of it is, you know, some of us, not all of us, I mean, may have had to take a life well, yeah. You can't really process it at that time, but years later it might, you know, bother you. Either that or sometimes you might lose a brother, you might lose a friend over there, mm-hmm. and you made it. So you have a lot of survivor's guilt.
0: That's true. That's so, true you know,
1: you know, so a lot of, you know, there's a lot of different things that can go into PTS. You know, I try, I, I call it um PTSG which is post-traumatic growth because you can either choose to be a victim Mm -hmm. or you can be a victor, Mm -hmm. you know?
0: So those, okay. So that, yeah, that is true. There could be different scenarios and then you have to understand everybody's, you know, kind of different. So what you're saying is everybody's processing is different. So, and then that could be, and so our treatment or, everything should be based on that.
1: Yeah, you know, it's kind of like, you know, everybody may have the same car, but when it goes to the mechanic, everybody has a different problem.
0: That's true. That's true.
1: So, you know, you just have to figure and a lot of times guys, guys and girls in the military or the police department, they don't feel comfortable opening up to somebody that's never been there. Huh. So, I think if I think of, you know, the VA hired more people that have actually worn a uniform. I think we'd get much better results.
0: And that's that is true. But also, I think I've seen that also. Uh, they tend to. There are other folks there, which um, because I've I've been in both departments and I've seen they uh, they are kind of uh, sometimes they have to go out to outside providers. Yeah, yeah. Because they get a better care. Yeah. Okay. Because the system, unfortunately, is tend to uh, some sometimes kind of ignore things. So.
1: Well, you know, and the thing about the VA, I love the VA in New Jersey. They treat me great. Um, I, I have no complaints. But, you know, when you have 9 million, you know, there's 9 million people in New Jersey, and 2% of them are veterans. So you figure that 2% or 3%, are in the hospitals every month. That's a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and a lot of people, they just don't realize the pressure that the staff is under. And then the VA, a lot of, you know, doctors or you know, they'll do their residency there and then they're gone. So, you know, you don't really get to see the same doctor for a period of time. It's just, you know, I may see you one month and then you're off the next month. So mm-hmm. it's a little bit of, has they have a hard time with consistency
0: Mm, that's true uh you know like i say i i've been with the va too for many many years and one thing was there that they had a sickest patient Okay, so they had people had everything wrong uh, you know so which was sad very sad because and then made me think that is it because they were not taken care while they were in service post service or they they like, you know, they had real things wrong. It's not that they were, you know, making anything up. It's just very sad that they need the most care out of everybody. Even if you look at any, any of the medication list of veterans versus non-veterans. They're on 25 medications. Okay. And this is very sad. This I cannot explain why. Is that, you know, is it because the years in their service or active duty they're not taking care of versus what? Well, you know, and
1: I think a lot of it is, is you know, like we're still learning. Uh, I'm, I'm very big on learning about, you know, traumatic brain injuries, concussions, CTE. And it's, you know, a lot of this, we're just learning. Yeah, we don't know a lot about the brain and what what, you know, because you hardly ever hear about them talk about CTE in the military, but it's Mm -hmm. very prevalent in sports. So, you know, a lot of veterans have traumatic brain injuries and then they might commit suicide down the road and it might be CTE, but we don't have the, the bandwidth to be able to actually test for it. So, you know, I think we're still learning. We're still In a learning Mm. phase
0: that's true but but important thing is not to ignore so (laughs) what i really want you know everybody to kind of don't ignore the symptoms and if if like you said if your mood disorders and all those are not better maybe look at the damage to the brain because i am sure you're probably arguing algae like nfl you know they there were players committed suicide Okay, but then problem was they had actually TBI, uh, you know, and then so those were uh, now NFL acknowledged so many years later, right?
1: Well, you know what it is, But I think now I think, you know, players like, you know, the NFL is getting smarter is that they're taking baseline testing before they start their career. So then, you know, if something is off, you can see, all right, this was the baseline. This is where they're at now. There's a problem. Yeah, and I think maybe the military might do something like that down the road.
0: Yeah, and they, they should be, and then I think they should be granting either you know waivers or something at the beginning. So then, if later on if they have those uh, disa- uh, disabilities or problems, then the other thing is which I really want and I'm passionate is about you know rewarding soldiers who maintain very healthy lifestyle or health Uh, i i don't know but the system is geared more towards other way around that you know if you're more sickest you get the most reward which is i understand Then you need a care but also they get a lot of benefits so then that kind of you know, defeats the purpose, in my opinion, of keeping... But about uh, people who want to maintain healthy lifestyle and they w- want to be healthy, then they they will have... Uh, they, there's no reward for that, you know?
1: Well, I mean, unfortunately, you know,
0: I'm a business person
1: and, you know, we all... We all know that um, a lot of not saying all of them, but, you know, a lot of doctors, um, you know, you become a customer.
0: Yeah. You
1: know, and my my cousin is a doctor. She works for the center of disease control. And we talk about this all the time that, you know, a lot of, um, they're creating customers. So if everybody gets healthy, we no longer need doctors. All of a sudden that the the healthcare community crush crashes down. So it's kind of like, it's a slippery slope. It's kind of like, you know, they're trying to get you healthy, but not too healthy.
0: Yeah, yeah, and th- this is where I I have usually you know problem with because I realize that exactly what you're saying. The system is the whole system: pharmaceutical industry, food industry, every industry is relying on for for their benefit, but not about you know. So food for food exam, food industry, for example they're totally unregulated in terms of health, you know, I don't know. So they they want, uh, and if people don't buy those, uh, you know, sandwiches and all that, you know, and then there won't be, you know, those Big Macs and all those, not to kind of uh, highlight certain companies, but big sizes. And then, uh, then I guess they won't be, selling much and then then you know then it's like but problem is then you get sick and you will be my customer doctor's customer for rest of life and then uh, but in the end who who is the loser I think patients are because you have a shorter life
1: yeah.
0: so not a longer life so uh, you know it's a lot of disease we see are actually created by food industry so and then this is very very sad because um i you know i think there has to be some kind of better way than this well
1: it's kind of like also you know now we're getting back to the addiction you know the opioid crisis Mm is it's it's insane you know how you know doctors are a lot of doctors not a lot because there's some that um are very good which i have some very great doctors so at the va so i can't complain but you know a lot of the first thing they'll do is say oh you got a shoulder pain you know why don't you why don't you take some oxy and you're like no i don't need <laughs> give me some physical therapy baby you know make the worst you give me some anti-inflammatory but mm. i don't need oxy
0: because yeah. once you
1: get you know once then once you start getting hooked on that stuff and then they are like well we're going to take you off well but you just created an addict.
0: Yeah. Also, tell me a little bit uh, since you were uh, in that phase, and you said you uh, successfully got out of that. So, you, why don't you share what helped you to
1: get? Out? Well, what happened was uh, I was. It was uh, New Year's Eve, 2000, no, two thousand. No, nineteen eighty-nine. Um, I got a job bartending for a friend of mine. Um, he was a police officer, mm-hmm. and. Um, Somehow I got really, really drunk and I actually robbed the robbed the bar that I was working at. And uh, he came to arrest me the next morning. I had like five thousand cash on me and I gave away like two thousand dollars worth of free drinks. Um, but he said, you know, I'm going to give you a break. You know, I want to have I want you to get my money back, which I did. I had to beg, borrow. Um, parents helped me out Aunt and uncle helped me help me out. But he said, I also want you to go to 90 meetings in AA in 90 days. And I think I hit like 300 meetings in a row. And that January 2nd of 1989, January 1st of 1989 was the last time I had a drink or a drug. So I actually quit at the age of 20 before most people even started. Because I started at 12. So I had wow. eight years of, uh, heavy, heavy alcohol and drug, drug use. And and then I quit at the age of 20. So that's when I actually uh, stopped taking any kind of, uh, I, I won't take anything more than an aspirin. Um, I, I don't, I can't use regular mouthwash. I can't eat, you know, eat regular vanilla cookies because of the vanilla extract in it. So I got to be really careful about what I, you know, what I take in my body, you know, cause you never know, you don't, you go to a, a birthday party. You know, they have cakes and cookies out there. You don't know if they're amaretto. You don't know if they have, you know, different alcohols in them. So I have to be very careful. Even 33 years later, I got to be careful of whatever I put in my mouth or whatever I put in my body. I got to be very cognizant of it.
0: Mm -hmm. No, this is very, very unique. And, you know, that you got out of that, not only that, and you're successful all these years now. Yeah. You
1: know, and for me, you know, like I, a lot of people ask me, well, you know, how did you do it or how do you stay, you know, without it? And I'm like, listen, if I drink, I die. That's it. End of story. If I have one drink, I'm not coming back. I'm not going to make it. So I, I have that mindset, you know, that once I have that drink, I'm a dead man. And, and if you have that, and if a person has that fear in their, you know, it's a good fear, but if they have that in their mind that, you know, one drink and it's over, then you, then you just kind of you find ways of not being in that situation. Hmm.
0: So what you're saying is absolutely. So it's, it's up to you what you did, uh, want to become. So, it's uh, so basically it's going to come down to your strength using uh, for your benefit so you have a very strong will and then you can really discipline yourself if you want right
1: yeah i mean that's you know i'm taking a very deep dive into uh, tony robbins and everything you know he talks about is it's your decisions you make you know whatever decision like we made a decision I made a m- messed up decision. I I had the time wrong, but uh, thankfully you have me on your show again. But we made a decision to be on the show today, which might impact somebody two years down the road. That so, is true. you know, Whatever decisions you make at this moment is what your future is going to be.
0: And, and that's true. And other important thing is that it's never too late. So a lot of people think that Okay well, I've smoked for so many years. Should I quit now or no? Well, it's never too late to turn right or turn back and um, the moment you realize you're wrong, you should just turn back. That's about it, right?
1: Yeah, I mean because then but I think you also have to look at you know some people that started later in life. you know, okay. Colonel Sanders started Kentucky Fried Chicken at 66 years old. you know um, you know Samuel L. Jackson, didn't get his first major role until he was 41. So it's never too late until they put you in the ground. Then it's too late.
0: Well, that's, that's true. And then also, so very important is whatever you're doing and if you realize that you're smoking or doing drugs or or whatever and it's not beneficial, you know that. Uh, then just don't keep doing it. Just just take uh, take a step and say, "No, I'm going to. This is my line, and I'm not going to cross it." And just never. That's about it. So.
1: But I think also, if a person you know quits something, they need to add something to their life. You know, it's kind of like you're re- replacing the addiction. You know, you're you know replacing it with something positive. You know. <laughs> For me, it's, you know, I don't, I don't drink, I don't drug or anything, but my addiction is learning. I'm, I'm addicted to learning. I'm addicted to reading. Um, I got nine books going at all times. Um, when I do my hour and a half cardio every day, and you know, I'm listening to tapes on, on audible. So for me, that's my, that became my addiction was learning. And cause I only got a ninth grade education, but for me, I've read over 6,000 books and I'm just addicted to learning. So that I guess I just turned my one addiction
0: into a positive addiction. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I think that is a really great story that you can basically reinvent and f- fill fulfill that gap with something positive, you know, so learning it. So tell me a little bit about your first book or which one?
1: My first book um, is called A Hero's Journey from Darkness to Light. Um, it came out because I was on a, a podcast and um, now this whole time that I was in the military, I also worked at a GNC or, or a vitamin shop or the, the gym. So, you know, I was, be- I've been in health and fitness for 30, 33 years now. And I worked with a lot of players from NFL, major league baseball, WWE, um, world heavyweight boxing champion. And so, you know, that's something that I had a, had a passion for. And I was on a podcast and, and I was talking to this gentleman and he wanted to, you know, talk about my past, which I didn't think was a very big deal. Um, but I wanted to talk about my future, what I was doing. And he kept going back to the past and he said, you know what? Um, and so he said, I think you should write a book. And, um, so I sat down with a guy named Mr. Gary Vaynerchuk. Uh, hmm. Gary V, um home homeboy from New Jersey and we put a 3-year plan together um podcasting and book. So that's when I wrote the book, it's my story, but it also at the end of each chapter it has a um a learning a learning point at the end of each chapter and then the last two chapters are what depression looks like, not what you think it looks like. Hmm. And then what addiction looks like and not what you think it looks like. So the, the last two chapters are actually a teaching book. So, you know, and and the book that I put out, um, I don't make any money on. I make zero dollars on. All my money that I make off it goes to help veteran homelessness and veterans struggling with uh, depression and PTSD. So it's not a money making thing, but it's become um, a rallying cry. For now, I had my own mental health summit. Today, I decide on April 3rd of last year, we had a free mental health summit. And I think we'll be having a couple more across the country in the coming years. So that's where it all started was, you know, being a guest on somebody else's podcast.
0: Oh, well, thank you for coming to my podcast. and I no, have-
1: My honor. I'm, I'm, I'm grateful to be on your I mean, you're like the man. You're like the top 60 hosts. You're like the man.
0: Uh, Thank you. Thank you. You know, I also started with, uh, you know, I was with active duty and uh, doing with a lot of soldiers and that kind of motivated me to write my book about Keep It Simple Lifestyle book, Keep It Simple, Diet, Sleep and Exercise. And uh, so my first uh, few of clients or I would say those uh, which read the book and actually gave the feedback were actually soldiers and uh, so they they really liked it so that motivated me to come more and help a lot of other folks Um, and like you said uh, I have seen you know with the VA I've served VA too many years too and I've seen a lot of homeless the folks there and this is very sad but I see that I wish there is a way to help them and so we, we do I do right now sleep medicine and we help a lot of veterans get uh, whatever we need to help them with but I think there's lot of things which uh, everybody needs to help here especially veterans is my heart goes out because like I said they really have problems and they I feel so bad their lungs are bad their heart is bad and then you know, then if they have problem with uh, addiction and all that alcohol, then their liver and all other can suffer worse. So I wish we have a better way of handling uh, and helping a lot of veterans. And on top of that, sad thing is that they are the sickest and they have the least money. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And But, you know, I think a lot of it, you know, like I talked to, I've had hundreds of veterans on my show. And by the way, I would I'm cordially inviting you to come on my show. I wouldn't and, be there. Okay. And um, you know, a lot of times when a guy gets or a girl gets out of the military, you know, you you lose your job, um, and you lose your mission, and you lose your camaraderie, and you're really you know after being, it's kind of like I I say the military is kind of like jail. You know, hmm. after you do 20 years in jail, you be kind of you become institutionalized. You don't know how to work the system on the outside. And I think a lot of people struggle with that because, you know, in the army, they feed you, you know, three times a day and you you have a place to sleep and eat. And then when you get out, you don't really know how to survive because you've been taken care of for that, you know, that 20 years or so.
0: And uh, other thing which I've seen is that. Uh, guys a uh, lot of guys and you know girls too but a lot of uh, men especially they try to tough out and they have damage so many times I was with them and uh, with and they have served 20 years and then we're talking about disorders and then they say oh my god I have all of them and I said but I I, I want to tough it out because I didn't want to, uh, them to know that I have these problems or, so they don't take care of themselves, and then 20 years of damage to their body, whatever they were doing, that's very sad. Now they realize that they have to take care. And then,
1: then I think a lot of people, and I talk about this all the time, is, you know, if you did 20 years in the military like I did, I was a tank commander. When you get out into the civilian jobs, there's not many people looking for tank commanders. So you kind of have to find somebody that is gonna be able to write your resume and make your resume, you know, like make it um, feasible. So when some when, when somebody's looking at it from a company, they can be like, okay, he he was a tank commander, so he led the company companies. He led people. He was a leader. So I think they have you, know, you have to have somebody out there that's gonna be able to translate a resume from military career into civilian sector or else the people that are looking at resumes are going to see a bunch of nomenclatures and they're going to just don't understand it and just push it to the side mm-hmm. and i think that happens a lot
0: yeah yeah and that's that is true and i think the other thing which we saw and which i'm also passionate about transition so you already touched on that that you know when they transition from that active duty or uh, you know that sector to civilian world, there's a big change, and also not to mention, uh, you know, there is uh, technology. Big difference between how the civilian world operates, and then you know, so they have to have the those skill. I think the transition should start in the last few years for, for sure. They should give them enough training to to be able to actually simulate in private sector, and this is this transition part is very important, like you said, CV is yes, but also skills, I think a lot of skills They I see now the other thing is again, I say that, you know, they could have years of damage to their skeleton and so forth, so my advice is don't just take, start taking anti-inflammatory, keep looking at and don't not, like, you know, NFL players, I'll give you an example, I think that matches a lot. They If they damage their knees and also uh, their, you know, other parts and then, you know, you don't want to be crippled after 20 years of service, then you really can't do anything.
1: But I also think, you know, for me, like I said, I was in the health and fitness industry. I ran a million dollar GNC, you know, that sometimes there are some herbs out there that are work even better. Some of your best inflammatory, you know, like curcumin. You know, t- tumor, you know, for inflammation, mm-hmm. you know, I think uh, sometimes we have to start thinking of thinking outside the box instead of, you know, taking NSAIDs, you know, or taking anti-inflammatories. Mm-hmm. You know, it's going to kill your liver. It's going to destroy your liver. And but yeah. I think yeah. sometimes we need to be taught that little bit about, you know, natural health. Certain foods cause inflammation in the body. You know, certain things you can take that helps with inflammation. That's why a lot of... Um, You know, a a lot of, you know, like my, my, my business partner, he was, he's from, uh, his family's from India Mm -hmm. and he always says, you know, there's a reason why that there's not a lot of cancer in, in India because a lot of the the curcumin, you know, turmeric is a very high antioxidant, that cancer fighter. So, you know, you don't, you don't know what you don't know, but I think sometimes stuff like that should be talked about also, instead of going the drug route
0: all this, you know, all of a sudden. That is true and uh, this is important because uh, anti-inflammatory uh, can damage liver and kidney both and a lot of other effects so you you're absolutely right we should look at alternative medicine natural products and also very important is take care of your health understand that you know that you have to have your healthy lifestyle throughout not when you retire not when you are you know you try to maintain throughout and um, you know i think uh, this is very important and i think we'll talk more and uh, thank you for coming to our show and it's been a pleasure so tell me any final message you have for my uh, audience
1: huh? well guys uh, wherever you're watching from i just want to remind you that the three most important words in the english language are today i decide you decide whether you want to live a healthy life. You decide if you want to die early. And it's all the decisions you make today will impact your life next year, five years, 10 years. So just if you want to change, just make that decision to get help and to reach out for help today. Don't wait because there is is there there is no tomorrow. You know, like like in America, you know, we just found out that one of the biggest, Comedians Bob Saget passed away Mm. at sixty-five, and he did a show on Saturday, and he had plans for Monday. So, guys, make a decision to change, and you can make that decision right now, and it's free. All you have to do is make that decision.
0: That is true, so true, and thank you for coming. And it's been pleasure knowing you, and also learning from your story and how successful you can have so it's very important people realize that there's a life which everybody deserve and can have but you have to work for it you have to decide like you said and then pursue your decision and dreams and so don't give up so take care thank you thank you for coming thank you guys